Soul Food Sneakers podcast. I am Dustin, and today we're talking about women in sneakers, the influence and impact that women have made in the sneaker industry throughout the years. Now, the sneaker industry, like most other industries throughout history from the time the Converse Chuck, as we now know it, was first introduced in 1922 until today, has been dominated by men. Because, as James Brown said in 1966, It's a man's world. And for many years, that has extended to sneakers as well. But while there have always been plenty of shoes and shoe styles made specifically for women, and it can even be argued that in terms of fashion, women have been more historically associated with footwear than men have. As far as sneakers are concerned, it's been an industry dominated by and for men. And this perhaps is an extension of sports themselves, which have also been predominantly associated and dominated by men. The first sneakers, after all, were created for basketball, which, at least at the professional level, was a men's sport until 1978, when the Women's Professional Basketball League was formed. This was 80 years after the first pro men's league was formed, the league that would eventually become the NBA in 1946. And 50 years after that, the WNBA had its inaugural season in 1996. So despite the fact that women started playing basketball in college less than a year after the game was invented in 1891, they've typically had to wait decades for the world to recognize their potential as professional athletes in the sport. And the sneaker game hasn't been much different. When Chucks hit the scene in 1922, despite the fact that plenty of women were playing college ball around the United States and eventually the world, there was no women's exclusive of that shoe that they could wear. When, in 1965, Adidas blew everyone's minds by covering their basketball high and low tops, called the Pro Model and the Super Grip, in all leather, skewing the typical canvas uppers which had become the norm up to that point, they didn't bother with a woman's version. And in 1985, when the Air Jordan 1 dropped like a bomb on basketball, fashion, and pop culture as a whole, it dropped in men's sizes only. All of this left women to make do with crossing their fingers and hoping that they could cop a shoe in these smaller men's sizes or larger children's sizes, if there were any. Amazingly, it took Nike 10 full years after MJ's debut to give a female baller a kick of her own, and in 1995, coming off a dominating college career, including a national championship, and a year before the WNBA was formed, Nike released their first female signature sneaker, the Nike Swoops, named for Cheryl Swoops, who would go on to play in the WNBA and eventually released seven signature models with the brand. She also became the first woman to have a sneaker retroed when Nike brought back the Swoops 2 in 2018. After the first Swoops dropped, women's ball sneakers had a nice run for both college and pro players. Rebecca Lobo signed to Reebok after an unbelievable college career, which included being named the unanimous National Player of the Year, the same year her University of Connecticut Huskies had an undefeated season, including the NCAA National Championship. She also made the women's Olympic team, all of which led to a fat check with Reebok and the Reebok Lobo, which dropped in 1997. Lisa Leslie, who infamously once scored 101 points in a high school game and wound up on the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks, was Nike's second signature female player, and her shoe, the Nike Total Air 9, which dropped in 1998, is my favorite 
woman's signature model ever. It features a quilted leather upper inspired by Chanel handbags and a small silver swoosh on the side inspired by Leslie's love of jewelry. It's a super dope shoe and Nike needs to bring it back out of the archives. I have no doubt it would do very well. Dawn Staley of the Charlotte Sting, who now coaches in South Carolina in the NCAA, got two signature sneakers while playing in the WNBA, the Nike Zoom S5 and S5 II in 1998 and 99. And Cynthia Cooper got the Nike Air C14, also in 99. Cynthia Cooper, known as Coop in her playing days, was the leader of the Houston Comets, who won the first four championships in WNBA history, which included remaining undefeated in the finals all four years. Nikki McRae of the Washington Mystics got a Fila Nikki Delta in 1999. Shamik Holdsclaw, also of the Mystics, and who went first overall in the draft to the team, got a Nike Shocks BB4 Meek and another Shocks Meek in 2001 and 2002. And she deserved them after three-peating NCAA titles. She was so good, many thought she was good enough to play in the NBA, and Slam Magazine put her on the cover. The first woman ever to receive that honor with the title is the NBA Ready for Shamik Holdsclaw. She didn't go to the NBA, but she did have a dope career with two signature shoes in the women's league. In 2005, Nike released the Air Tarasi, WNBA Rookie of the Year Diana Taurasi's signature sneaker, this time on a Nike Shocks, a shoe made famous by the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter, and a shoe Nike was pushing hard on players in the mid-aughts. The Nike Shots Shocks DT was Taurasi's last signature model, and the last Nike signature model offered to a female player until 2022, when Elena Deladonna of the Washington Mystics was given the Nike Air Deldon. Deladonna is a two-time WNBA MVP who grew up watching Cheryl Swoops and idolized not only her, but her signature shoe as well. Getting her own Nike signature model was a full circle moment for Elena. But before that, both Adidas and Puma entered the women's signature shoe game with WNBA star and media personality Candace Parker on the three stripes and the 2018 WNBA MVP Brianna Stewart over at Puma. Parker's Adidas Ace Commander and Ace Versatility came out in 2010 and 2011, but Parker was signed to Adidas since she was a highly touted college prospect in 2008. Stewart signed with Puma in 2021 and was the first WNBA player to get a signature shoe in over a decade. Her shoe, the 2022's Puma Stewie, was a low-cut, super dope-looking sneaker in different shades of red that Puma called Quiet Fire, a nod to the way Stewart played the game. In 2023, Puma released the Stewie 2 in a multitude of colorways. Puma also made a hard run at one of the most hyped and anticipated female ballers to come out of college in over a decade. Sabrina Ionoscu broke the NCAA record for most triple-doubles in history when she was with the Oregon Ducks, a basketball team and college that has benefited greatly over the years from its geographical proximity to the Nike Beaverton campus and whose teams have enjoyed many amazing player-exclusive Nike and Jordan sneakers over the years some of which can now fetch thousands of dollars per pair. So despite both Puma and Under Armour doing their best to lock her down before she inevitably went first overall in the 2020 WNBA draft, Ionescu chose to sign with Nike, who also benefited from their 
geographical proximity to her. What eventually blossomed from that relationship in 2023 was very possibly the most celebrated female signature sneaker since the Air Swoops back in 1995. The Nike Air Sabrina sold in bunches in both men and women's sizes, and it was impossible to find a pair on shelf when they first released. The shoe takes some of the best design elements of recent LeBron, KD, and Zoom Freak signature shoes and throws them in a pot with Ionescu's own personality and on-court performance, and as a result, the shoe fits perfectly with what we've come to expect from the best modern ball shoes, male or female. And hopefully the success of the Air Sabrina will see more signature shoes from more female athletes, because while sneaker brands have gotten better at representing women athletes, the balance is still drastically tipped towards the men. These brands, Nike and Jordan brand in particular, are also finally recognizing the potential for female collaboration and for women's exclusive colorways. In fact, some of the biggest and most celebrated sneaker releases of the past few years have been women's exclusives. In 2021, the consensus sneaker of the year was the women's exclusive Air Jordan 3 from Amamanir, accompanied by a short film entitled Raised by Women. The shoes paid tribute to Amamanir owner James Whitner's mother, who bought him a Jordan 3 when he was a youngster. Amamanier, which is French for My Way, have collaborated on many coveted Jordan models. Whitner has a close relationship with MJ himself and has been essentially given the keys to the Jordan brand kingdom, free reign to put his personal touch on the brand's most famous silhouettes. Jordan brand and Nike in return get a collaborator who ensures hype and instant sellouts whenever Amamanier drops a collection of Jordan sneakers and clothing. And several of those sneakers have prioritized celebrating black women and telling their stories. Along with the Jordan 3, both Jordan 12 colorways, the white and the black, are women's exclusive, as is the white or dawn pair of the Air Jordan 5, the brand recently released towards the end of 2023. But more celebrated and successful than James Whitner's Jordan collabs were the late Virgil Abloh's. Abloh passed away from cancer in 2021, but before he left, he created a body of work in the sneaker and fashion worlds that will continue to excite, influence, and inspire forever. One of his most popular sneaker creations was a monochromatic teardown of the Air Jordan 4. Dressed entirely in sale and featuring all of Avlo's iconic design touches, the off-white Air Jordan 4 dropped in the summer of 2020 and was a women's exclusive. But before that, Abloh dropped an even more exclusive set of women's sneakers that were made for a very special, very specific woman. In 2018, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Wimbledon, Abloh released two Nike sneakers dedicated to Serena Williams, an off-white Air Max 97 and a Nike Blazer. The sneakers, part of the Serena Queen collection, were limited and loud, dressed in gradients of purple and pink and black swooshes with off-white deconstruction. But those are men creating women's sneakers for women. What about women creating sneakers for themselves? Thankfully, female collaborators at sneaker brands has exploded over the past decade. And for, say, every Travis Scott collab at Jordan or Nike, there is a Billie Eilish one. Billie actually has several Jordan and Nike sneakers to her name, including a Jordan 15, a model that doesn't get brought up or talked about very often, an Air Force One high covered in Velcro straps, and an Air Force One low covered in Frankenstein stitching, 
and cut and pasted chunks of quilted leather. She's also got a canvas Jordan 1 AJKO, a Jordan Mule slide, and recently a few different colors of the Nike Air Alpha Force 88. A female pop star getting her own shoe is nothing groundbreaking, of course. Beyonce got her own line of clothing and sneakers at Adidas when they collaborated on her now-defunct Ivy Park line. So did Missy Elliott back in the day when Adidas gave her the Respect Me line of sneakers and clothing. Rihanna has been making sneakers with Puma since 2015 with her Fenty label. And Selena Gomez also got a collab with Puma on the Cali Star Cardi B has dropped a couple of kicks with Reebok on their Club C model. And one of the most recent and most hype female pop star collabs on a sneaker line has been New York City's Tayana Taylor, a Kanye West R&B protege who has released sneakers with Adidas, Reebok, and a recent Jordan 1 Zoom Air Comfort called A Rose from Harlem. A bright, loud sneaker with a lot of ideas in it and a lot going on. And of course, there have been plenty of female designers, influencers, and creatives that have been graced with sneaker collabs over the years as well. Going back to basketball for a second, in 2011, WNBA star Maya Moore was the first woman signed to Jordan Brand, and she earned that signing. She was drafted first overall by the Minnesota Lynx. She's won four WNBA championships, an MVP, and two Olympic gold medals. In 2017, Sports Illustrated called her the greatest winner in women's basketball history. And while she never got a signature sneaker with Jordan, she did collaborate on a couple of classic Jordan models with stylist and blogger Aaliyah Lee May in 2018. Their Jordan 1 Viotech and Jordan 10 Court Lux are a beautiful two-pack of multicolored kicks covered in soft suede and a standout feature on the ones in a removable fur tongue accessory. Maya Moore retired from basketball in 2018, but Aaliyah Lee May continues to collaborate with Jordan Brand on a regular basis. To date, she's designed several Jordan 1s, a Jordan 6, and most recently a beautiful Jordan 14 in sand and jeweled jade green colors. But even more prolific a fashionista than May is Melody Isani, who has worked extensively with Reebok on several models and who also happened to design one of the best women's exclusive Jordan sneakers ever when she left her imprint on the Jordan 1 Mid, a much maligned mid-cut version of the legendary silhouette. Her multicolored Jordan 1 Fearless was the standout sneaker in Jordan Brand's 2019 Fearless Ones pack, a celebration of the Jordan 1 where six different designers got to play with the silhouette in a way that was an expression of their identity and creativity. Over at Adidas, English fashion designer Grace Wales Bonner has been making all kinds of noise with her fashionable fingerprints on a number of well-known Adidas models like the Samba and the SL72, as well as a bevy of little-known heritage models like the Adidas Originals Country, the Adidas Japan, and the Adidas Nizza. Everything Wales Bonner has done with Adidas, both in sneakers and in clothing, has been hyped up, quick-selling, and well-received. Over at Union LA, a sneaker shop that started in New York and migrated over to Los Angeles, where it's been an institution for decades and has been collaborating on Jordan and Nike sneakers since 2018, Union has produced several grail-worthy sneakers like the Union Air Jordan 1 and the Union Air Jordan 4. Beth Gibbs, co-owner of Union and wife of fellow co-owner Chris Gibbs, 
also owns Beffy's Beauty Supply, an L.A. streetwear brand with a focus on telling the stories of and empowering black women through their clothing, sneakers, and collaborations. Most recently, both Beffy's and Union got to join forces with both Nike and Jordan when they released a couple of Jordan 1s along with a clothing capsule entitled the Union LA Beffy's Beauty Supply Summer of 96. The shoes dropped in both a men's and a women's exclusive and featured a love-it-or-hate-it weave that seemingly fastened the top of the sneaker to the bottom. And from Chicago artist Nina Chanel Abney was given her own sneaker by Jordan, two actually, a Jordan high and low and a clothing capsule to go along with it. All of these sneakers are examples of women whose names are on the shoebox, so to speak. But there are also many women designers who work for brands behind the scenes or whose names don't appear in their brand title. One of the most influential sneaker designers of all time, whose name has never appeared on a sneaker, is Tiffany Beers. Beers has been at the drawing board on some heavy-hitting kicks that have helped define sneaker culture over the years. Sneaks like the Air Yeezy 1, a shoe that now sells for several thousand dollars a pop, and the Nike Air Mag, based on the Tinker Hatfield-designed shoe seen in Back to the Future 2, a sneaker which now typically sells for around about $20,000 a pop. The shtick about the Air Mags was that they were self-lacing, a special effect in the movie that Beers had to figure out how to make a practical application in real life. It makes sense that then that she was also part of the team that designed the Nike Hyper Adapt, Nike's first self-lacing basketball shoe. She also worked on the Nike Mars Yard with Tom Sachs, another shoe which today sells for a cool 10 to 15 grand per. And in truth, Beers has had her hands in dozens and dozens of Nike and Jordan product. She's a true legend, and while she no longer works in the sneaker industry, her impact will be felt forever, whether you know her name or not. But now you do. Some other female designers with classic sneakers under their belts whose names you might not know, but whose brands you certainly will, are Chateau's Abe, whose brand Sakai made Nike the talk of Paris Fashion Week in 2019 when she debuted the Nike Sakai LDV Waffle model whose makeup includes two different shoes from the Nike running archives, literally smashed together to create an entirely new fashion piece. Sakai would go on to collaborate with Nike again and again, always with that same two shoes in one aesthetic on models like the Vapor Waffle, the Blazer, and the Cortez. Abe started her career as a pattern cutter at Comme des Garçons, a Japanese fashion label started by Rei Kawakubo. Rei and her company have also collaborated on sneakers, not only with Nike, but with Salomon Asics Vans and, most famously, Converse, whose run of CDG Play Converse Chuck 70s in high and low are some of the most recognizable and popular sneaker collaborations between a sneaker brand and a luxury fashion house ever. If you'll remember at the beginning of the episode, I talked about how the sneaker industry has been dominated by men from the time the Converse Chuck was first introduced in 1922, a shoe which was made by men for men. How gratifying then that one of the world's most popular versions of the same Converse shoe from 1922, 100 years later, is a collaboration between the brand and a female-fronted fashion house in Comme des Garçons. It's something that's almost poetic. Another influential fashion, fashion designer who got her start in Tokyo, but who was born in Korea and grew up in Seattle, is Yoon On. 
owner of Ambush, which started life as a jewelry label, making big, expensive, loud pieces aimed at the hip-hop industry. The plan worked, and soon Ambush had among its clientele superstar rappers like Kanye West, ASAP Rocky, and Skepta out of the UK. In 2019, Ambush began a working relationship with Nike that continues to this day and has included classic models like the Air Force One, the Air More Uptempo, and the Air Adjust Force. But one of Nike's most disruptive female collaborators over the past few years, and one of sneaker and fashion's most distinctive voices, has been that of Cynthia Liu, founder of Cactus Plant Flea Market, who also began a working relationship with Nike in 2019 with the release of the Cactus Plant Flea Market Nike Vapor Max. Since then, Lou has also released CPFM versions of the Air Force One and the Nike Dunk, as well as her own silhouettes in the Nike Flea One and last year's Air Flea Two, a very divisive shoe. Outside of sneakers, Cynthia has had a very lucrative working relationship with the likes of McDonald's, Travis Scott, Kanye West, and Playboy Cardi. She's one of the most in-demand designers of her generation and has never done so much as a single interview, preferring her work speak for itself. As you have heard in this episode, women have had a very beautiful, very influential, and very successful part to play in sneaker history. And while it took sneaker brands a long time to begin giving supreme female basketball talents their own shoes, female designers a shot behind the scenes at designing sneakers, and female-fronted fashion houses collaborations on legendary silhouettes, it's gratifying that in the new millennium, which is now 24 years old, some of sneakers' biggest and most influential moments have come at the hands of women. And I have no doubt this industry presence will only grow as people flock to these designers and sneaker mavens and the products they produce. And I, for one, am here for it. So that's our show. Thank you for hanging out. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to Soul Food if you can. It helps me out. And we'll see you back here in just a couple of weeks. Please take care.